Welcome to a new episode of Blue Jay Bites. Now here's your host, my dad, Bryant Ott. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Bryant Ott alongside Matt DeMarine is here live from Script Town Brewing. What's up, what's up? Whoa, that was... I was just trying to... Get everybody going. What's up? Get everybody pumped up. Yeah. I see a couple Jays fans out We're there. back. We had a little hiatus there. I missed you, man. A little, like, little R&R. Yeah. A little vacation. A little holiday man. break. I slept so much. It was like we went to we went to, we went went to to the holiday thinking Creighton had all these problems. We come back and it's like a different team. So maybe we should take more breaks. Yeah. But I mean. Maybe they'll be number one if we take another break. <laughs> Let's be honest. And things started off a little bit rough after the last podcast. Obviously, the Jays dropping a home game to Ohio State. Who is apparently number one in the new NET, yeah. ESPN, NCA? Like that's a know. quality loss now, right? Cool. Isn't that what that, that quality is? loss? I'm trying to figure out the new lingo of everything now. So yeah, so um, we're we're gonna talk about a lot of things. First of all, I hope everybody listening had a great Thanksgiving. Really appreciate you guys tuning in Absolutely. to the Jays Bites podcast. Um, we're live again from Script Town Brewing here in the Blackstone District. So thanks to Script Town for having us out. Really appreciate it. Um, two big, uh, two big champions crowned on campus this week. One is about seventeen hundred miles away from home, and the other one right down the street off the hilltop. Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't start with the the five P. I guess it is. Yeah, it's a five in a row for the women's volleyball program. It is winning the Big East tournament championship. They lost the set, which was a little weird, right? It is a little weird. This first time, I think the second time in the last thirty eight, maybe. If I'm doing it right. Maybe since since October, before Halloween, they've lost. Since Halloween, they've lost two sets. That's insane, pretty much. So they lost that to Marquette, starting the championship game, the championship match, excuse me, and then they uh, win. Uh, they rattle off three straight. Yep. They win that championship match, three sets to one against Marquette, Mar- a Marquette team that essentially it proves out that was like you mentioned, a re- essentially a regional final. That's Marquette it. ends up getting a national seed. We'll just give kudos to. Uh, the Golden Eagles for that, but um, it's all about the Blue Jays. It's all about Kirsten Bernthal Booth's program. Explain for people at home that couldn't make it down to Sokol Arena what that atmosphere was like for the semifinal win against Villanova and the championship win against Marquette and just what this means for the school, the athletic department, to see a team that um, essentially was supposed to win mm-hmm. and has had the pressure to win and has um, done nothing but uh, meet and exceed expectations all season. Yeah, the atmosphere was great. I think anytime, I mean, anytime you get a high stakes volleyball match going, I feel like if there's a if there's a crowd, it's just it's naturally going to feed off the momentum of the match because I try to I try to explain it to people who you know aren't avid volleyball fans, and it's essentially like a series of alley oops sure. just being slammed home. <laughs> You know, fifty times a, a set. Except so they like, jump higher. Yeah, they, I mean, they're get, like they get up there, they slam them down. The kills are like really impressive. The the sound, the the athleticism on display is. I, I I struggle to understand. I guess people who don't like volleyball is is one thing, but if you go and like find a reason sure. to be disinterested, I. I question your ability to even focus on because like it's fun to go to it's, it's fun, fun to go to Barrett's and watch a bunch of drunk old people play sure. volleyball, dude. Because I mean, I was one of those for a lot of years, and it's yeah. just a blast. I mean, the volleys just just the game itself, and then you put that into that type of a building where everything you're just on top of it all. The athleticism 
from the Jays in particular is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, essentially the Big East got the final that they wanted. Yep. And they probably got the first set that they wanted, let's be honest. I mean, oh, they yeah, that's right. it was 28 26. It was, you know, really nip and tuck. I don't think either team had a lead bigger than two. Um, and when, when obviously Selection Sunday comes, you kind of knew Creighton was as close to a lock as I didn't really feel like for a national, for a national, for a national seed. seed. Yeah, like I didn't feel like anybody was nervous. There wasn't really any nervous energy. There was more just like, who are we playing? Who's coming here? Um, how tough of a draw is it going to be to advance and all that? Because last year that was the thing. Creighton got the nine seed, but then Michigan State came, Missouri State came, Coastal Carolina. Like I felt like those were three teams that could have knocked off Creighton you know, in the first round. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was a tough draw. So to, so I think that was more of what the anticipation was like. Um, getting the nine seed, I felt like didn't wasn't much of a surprise. But to see Marquette get the fourteen, Kirsten Brentall, who talked about it, she said. Once I saw the 16 pop up there, which was, which was Washington State, she felt like that was Marquette's spot. And when oh, she saw that go up, which was quickly, because that's in Creighton's um, regional, if you will, and power sure. to the side of the bracket, um, she felt like that was Marquette's chance. So to see them get the 14 with three losses to Creighton, you know, that just lets you know not only how top heavy the Big East was, but how impressive Creighton and Marquette were this season. Um, so for them to meet in the final for a third time, and to play the match that they did, uh, you know, really is a feather in the cap for the conference, no doubt about it. Um, as especially for as much as they, much questions get asked about, like you said, Creighton has an expectation to not only win that league but dominate that league, and it's because of the field itself. Like there are a lot of teams that just aren't pulling their weight. Sure. So to see two Big East teams among the top sixteen national seeds, it's huge. That's more than the Big Twelve, right? More than the SEC, more than the ACC. So you essentially have the Pac-12 and the Big Ten handling a bunch of seeds. Then you get the Big East with two, and then the rest of the Power Fives. So that's kind of it's it's impressive because as many as many lumps as the league takes for not being as strong, it's top two teams can right. beat anybody in the country. It's one so of those where you're excited or you're happy that that it if it is top heavy that at least it's top heavy to the point where then it's top heavy into those national seeds, right? Right? Yeah. Uh, but there's there's chances. Within the league schedule for quality wins, and I think that's the main thing every year is, you know, how much does the how much of an RPI hit does the Big East give teams like Creighton, teams like Marquette, um, because obviously they front load those schedules. You know, Creighton's non-conference schedule was tenth in the country, Marquette's was ninth, so they they went through a gauntlet to get to the Big East part, no, no, of, and part you, of their schedule. You, so. And you talked about that a lot as we were in the midst of the. Big East Conference schedule, just about how, you know, for as tough a, a, a non-conference slate as the Jays play, Marquette equally so, um, and that you argued entry Big East play, that Marquette arguably had better non-conference yes. wins. They beat USC. That was by far the best win. Yeah, and so they have those wins. Um, so, again, how – so last year obviously didn't end the way that the Jays wanted it to. They win that first-round match. And then they lose to uh, Michigan State and don't get out of their own hosting opportunity yeah. and move on. Um, what does a match like the one they just played? I mean, do we, do you read too much into it? Like, how does facing Marquette for a third time in the championship game getting tested that first set? Obviously, they were tested the whole match. It was um, it was really competitive. How does that help them transfer and carry on that momentum to the next weekend? Does it? Is yeah, that no, I, I do because I think last year. Um, 
I won't say that Creighton was like shell shocked, but I think hosting was less of an advantage than they probably thought, and more there was more to deal with from the emotional side of things, and the, and you know the distraction side of things. Sure, uh, that hosting brought. I think obviously the experience of having that plus they've been home for. I think a month now, if I'm not mistaken. It, 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 it's going to be a month, or it is a month already, of just nonstop home matches. Then you include the Big East Tournament where they play Marquette, who is, like we've talked about, you know, a national seed. So they've kind of already played in this NCAA tournament match last weekend in front of a big crowd, a lot of emotion, a lot on the line. Uh, so they've kind of already gone through a high-stakes uh, winner-take-all type of scenario right there, which I think should ease them into the NCAA tournament a little bit better than they did last year. Um, just in terms of dealing with all that pressure that it comes with, you know, ticket requests and hanging out with people that are on campus and trying to manage your time and get yourself ready at the same time. Um, and, I, and I just think the way they, they, they you know, dealt with adversity early on by losing that first set and not getting rattled and coming back. You know, actually, they lost the first set, um, won the second one, were winning the second one handily, and then Marquette had a crazy rally. Right. Right. Stole the thing. Um, but that carried over into the third set because Marquette stormed out to a 9-4 lead. And Creighton looked, you know, like looking for answers. Hmm. Um, number, know, five, then, number five is pretty good, right? Number five is pretty good. Number, She's number, a number, answer, yeah, number 12 helped out a little bit too. Um, <laughs> you have those two, you got good, you got good problems. Um, yeah, so then they rallied from the 9-4 deficit, flipped that, flipped that third set over, took over, won it, and then finished it off in four. Um, I just think that that was pretty much an NCAA tournament match. Just when I, you know, when I watched it, when I thought about it, all the emotions that went into it, and then when you see where Marquette sits, um, I don't think I haven't seen St. Mary's in Washington and South Dakota play much this year. Um, I know Washington's got a great program; they're well coached. They're right. certainly really talented. Uh, so you can't just look at their record and assume, um, you know, assume they're not as good based on that. But I think the team that Creighton played last weekend is better than the teams they'll face this weekend. Okay. So I mean, South Dakota. South, I mean, South Dakota wouldn't be in the tournament if they didn't win the Summit League okay. tournament. They beat a really good Denver team, um, a Denver team that only lost one match all season before that. So they they had to beat Denver to get in. Um, so that's Creighton's first round opponent, um, and then St. Mary's in Washington. If you guys remember. Creighton opened the season last year um, with that tournament out in Washington, and they beat they swept St. Mary's and beat Washington in four. Yeah, I think I think I don't know if the St. Mary's team that they swept last year is better or worse. I certainly think Washington is going to win that match anyway. Right. Um, but I think the Washington team that Creighton beat last year in four is less talented this year. Okay. Um, that's not guaranteeing a win again, but I think Creighton is more talented and Washington is less talented. Factor in the home court, and I think Creighton is set up pretty good to advance to the second weekend this year more so than they were last year. It just felt like, you know, dealing with the emotions of hosting for a first time and all the celebratory things that went into that week, plus the fact that I think they were kind of limping to the finish line a little bit. They weren't playing as good a volleyball as they're playing at this point right now in the season. I just think they're set up right now uh, for a, a stronger run. Everything they've done up to this point in the stretch run of the season kind of indicates that they're they're peaking when they need to be peaking right now. Okay. Uh, you mentioned limping. I know there were some injury concerns um, over the weekend. Can you guys can you give us an update on the health of uh, Coach Booth's team? Yeah. Um, so without breaking any HIPAA laws or anything. Sure, sure. No, I, I talked to Sam, so it's it's, it's all good. Uh, you know, it's crazy. So 
Obviously, before they were getting ready to play Villanova, Marquette was playing St. John's in the first match of the Big East uh, tournament. So Creighton was warming up over at the championship center. And uh, I guess Sam was uh, Sam, a senior. You know, she's a serving specialist, defensive specialist. She plays in the back row a lot. Um, she's a great server, like one of Creighton's best servers. So um, it's definitely a big loss, no question about it. Um, but I guess she was hitting the slide which is something that middle, I don't know how to explain it on audio, but it's like when you see middle blockers go around the center there and come towards the pin and smack a ball down the middle of the court, that's usually a play they run for middle blockers. Okay. Sam's not a middle blocker, so just kind of figure out what was going on there. Um, so she was hitting a slide, and she just landed on her knee and yeah. heard a few pops and, um, you know, panicked, obviously, and, you know, all the bad thoughts went through her mind about um, thinking her career was over before she kind of got a chance to – you know, save her the last moment, I guess. She kind of, it was, so there was, there was a lot of emotion. She, you know, by the time we saw her, she was on crutches in the starting, um, you know, lineup there that they do, um, you know, trying to fight back tears and at the same time be supportive, you know, a supportive teammate because yeah. someone's going to step up into her role. So, um, but I talked to her yesterday and, you know, she's in good spirits and I guess the prognosis on her knee was pretty good. Um, there aren't any major, uh, issues in terms of ligament damage and things like that. So um, she's hoping to practice this week, actually. She's oh, been doing a lot of rehab in the underwater treadmill and everything over at the championship. The Isaiah Zierden yeah. Memorial underwater treadmill. Yeah, exactly. Um, she's hope, hoping to practice this week. Optimistic. Um, and then she's and then obviously she hopes to be able to return to action if the Jays advance to the second weekend. So it's definitely better than it seemed um, at first. And... Yeah, uh, it was, you know, it was tough to watch because, you know, obviously she's really, really emotional. But, uh, you know, once that match started, she looked like old Sam. I mean, she was really encouraging. Uh, she was dancing during the timeouts and breaks and things like that. Not actually dancing, but shooting the YMCA, pantomiming in, you know. Um, and then freshman Jayla Zimmerman, who, you know, when we talked to Andrew Axley Barons before these kids even got on campus, um, this freshman class, which is really highly touted coming in. Uh, you know, Jayla Zimmerman drew the largest uh, praise. Yeah, praise from Angie Oxlade-Baron said she's most like Jaylee in terms of her competitiveness. Um, so to see her step up, also a kid who's dealt with injuries this year too. So sure, you know, middle of the year she kind of had to deal with that, um, and then she stepped up and played a position for Sam that she never played before. Um, took Sam's serving role, which she hadn't done much of this year either. And you know, the Villanova match was a little shaky because. She obviously wasn't, from a scouting report perspective, she wasn't ready to play that position against Villanova. Right. Um, but, I, you know, against the Marquette match, um, you know, Coach Booth said she might have passed the best of anyone on the team. So she really stepped up, you know, answering I mean, what happens? What happens to the Jays if that injury happens right before the Marquette match and not before the Oh, Villanova yeah. Match, I mean, right? it might, yeah, it, they, they probably don't win that match if it right? happens. Right. It's yeah. a that's too, that's too much to overcome against that type of team. So huh. it's, yeah, but they, you know, I mean, that's what that's what they do, man. They just they make lemonade out of lemons. They they next they're really deep and talented this year, and you know they're able to overcome some things. And that was another one. Even as late late in preparation as it happened, literally thirty minutes before our starting lineups, um, to go through that and then just turn to a true freshman and say, "Hey, we need you to step up here." And for her to not even blink, like is is really impressive and um, a big part of why the Jays were successful because of Jayla Zimmerman's unflappable nature and her competitiveness and, 
you know, just her willingness to step up when the team needed her. So, so it was put, big. put you on the spot. How do you think they do this weekend? And then what's, a, what's their path look like the rest of the way for those of us that haven't dug too far into the uh, – we, sure. you know, we follow the coach booth, you know, one game at a time mentality, obviously. But for those of us that haven't um, – They can follow the long game at a time. I can map it out for you. I you appreciate it. Yeah, no Magellan, go. No problem. Okay. Um, I think Magellan is like South Dakota, I, I, again, it's a team that I don't would wouldn't have been in the NCAA tournament had they not won their conference tournament. So I don't expect Creighton to have a problem with them. Obviously, you know South Dakota is talented and they've got some players that I think you know outside hitter was the Summit League Player of the Year this year, and um, she's an old club teammate of Jaylee Winters. So uh, there's some familiarity there. They, I think they played in the in a spring match um, two years ago, I believe. Um, so there's some familiarity there. And the last time South Dakota was in Omaha, they beat Creighton in that tournament. I think that uh, I think Creighton lost to South Dakota and Illinois and beat Colorado, I think, a couple of years ago. Maybe years ago, yeah. 2014, I believe, seasons. Way longer ago than I remember. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a long time ago. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think Creighton's the favorite to get out of Omaha this weekend, though. I, I, whether it's St. Mary's, Washington, and obviously South Dakota's first, um, I feel like Creighton will be favored to get through that, and I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, and then they, you know, the next weekend the shot holds up. They're looking at a Sweet 16 match against Penn State. Obviously, a perennial powerhouse. Uh, you know, national championships, Final Fours, you name it. Um, <clears throat> they're the eighth seed in this regional, uh, the Palo Alto regional, excuse me. And Stanford's the number one overall seed, and Washington State is the 16 seed. So that's kind of what you're looking at for um, national seeds. I think one team to watch out there. I think. Tennessee is a team that might face Washington State in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Uh, yeah. They yeah. Tennessee, Washington State. Yeah, so Tennessee has, has had a good season this year, kind of a resurgent season in the SEC. Um, and then Northern Arizona, Washington State plays in the first round, beat Florida earlier this year. That's one of their big-time wins. So, sure. Um, you know, there's a lot more parity in college volleyball, especially on the women's side. So it's not a four-round inclusion that Creighton has to face chalk. Um it's not even a foregone conclusion that Creighton gets out of Omaha. So, right. Um, but that's kind of what the road looks like. Obviously, to get to the Final Four, I would be it would be shocking if Stanford wasn't in the Elite Eight. So, sure, that's going to be. I, I believe Stanford. Stanford, I would almost guarantee, is going to be the final hurdle, one way or the other. Okay. Um, so beating them out in Palo Alto, arguably the most talented team in the entire nation. So great. That's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be on the level of what Texas was like a couple sure. years ago, right? Uh, where you just have to get over a monster to to do something you've never done before. But that's kind of what Creighton has done in the last four years. They've they slayed some dragons. Every time, yeah, they slayed some dragons. Yes. Every time they've had to go a step further, they've had to clear a hurdle that not many people thought they could clear. So. You know, to get to the Sweet 16 the second time, they had to go through uh, number four seed Kansas, and they did that. Um, and then a Michigan team who people thought, again, they weren't going to get by. And even in that even in that match, they were down two sets to one, and, you know, with their backs against the wall, and they rallied to win in five. They were just hard to kill that year. Um, had BYU hung on to a lead, mm. a 12-6 lead in the fifth set mm. they had in Austin. Right. Those were, I mean, you might see Creighton in Nebraska and Columbus in the Final Four that year, but, um, you know, BYU had some – had some issues uh, finishing that one, and I can't even explain how you spectacular were you were there. I mean, it was just unbelievable. The collapse was crazy. I don't, you don't see teams blow twelve six leads in five. Sets. I mean, I don't you, care who you're playing. When you're in the fifth set at UT, and you mm-hmm. see, was that the Irwin Center? Is that where they did? Was that where they played? No, it's called Gregory Gymnasium. Okay, yeah. so you're there at the gym, 
and BYU's up 12-6. Like, yes. what is in the place has got to be 90% to 95%. It, it wasn't, though. Like, BYU really? like caught him on, like, a, a day when Texas was, like, you know, Austin was, like, dealing with better, bigger and better things. Like, it wasn't okay. It wasn't a crazy atmosphere. Like, and they got – and they were up 12-6. It wasn't like the crowd rattled them. They just didn't finish it, you know what oh, I mean? Like, God. So, I was yeah. going to ask what the crowd was, like, seeing that the they're The crowd for Texas Creighton was insane yeah. because – the story, because obviously Tom Herman's the coach now of Texas, but he was hired then. Because okay. obviously this is the right time when Coach sure, yeah. fired and everything. So, yeah. So, Tom Herman was hired when Creighton was in Austin getting ready to play the Longhorns. He showed up to the match before uh, Creighton played Texas and handed out free pizzas to like <laughs> a meet and greet of fans. And it was like a line around like the whole campus trying to get into Gregory Gymnasium to meet Super. Tom Herman um, and to watch Texas play volleyball. and. And that, that, yeah, that was a crazy environment. So it was a bunch of dudes in jerseys. There was like probably 30 students. Um, I think they were on the swimming team, front row and center, when sure. like standing next to Creighton players, like nothing but speedos. So it was like perfect. Just screaming their lungs out. They're right there in front of the next to the players. Like it's just, a, it was a crazy atmosphere. So um, that, that was kind of like the perfect storm that allowed Texas to get through and eventually beat Nebraska down and eventually lose to Stanford team that Creighton would probably have to clear this hurdle now to get to the Final Four in Minnesota. So everybody make sure you come out to Sokol Arena this weekend. Tickets for sale. Uh, should be yeah, this, I'm going to say it again, man. This, the senior class is special. you got to come see them. No joke. Um, you know, they're going to play South Dakota on Friday. Night, night game. Night six match. o'clock. Yeah, six Central. o'clock. Um, you know, and then if they advance, which I expect them to do, you know, the men, men's basketball team is going to play the number one team in the nation at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And Say at what? 7 o'clock Go after that. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at 1 o'clock or 7 o'clock after that, the volleyball team is going to play um, oh, really? their final home match of the year probably. Um, and the final home match of the careers of Jaylee Winters, Taryn Cloth, uh, Kelsey O'Connell, Sam Bonet. Um, and I think I'm just urging people to go out and see them because it's going to be your last opportunity more than likely if Chalk holds up. Um and, and I was thinking about this this weekend, too, because it's, 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 it's time to ask that question. It's time to write about it. It's time to put it all into perspective. Um, and I, I'm glad I have you here with me because you're a Creighton historian yourself. So Try we can do like a little name association. When you, think of, when you think of Creighton men's basketball, who do you think of? Me, personally? Well, I mean, just what do you think most fans would think of? If I said Creighton basketball, oh, what's the name? Sure, Doug McDermott. Or Kyle Corver, right? Like sure. Those two for sure are right. the pillars of Creighton men's basketball, yeah? If I said Creighton women's basketball, what would you say? Connie Yori, right? Player, right. awesome player, Hall of Famer, coach. coach. In the Extraordinary rapper, coach, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, Creighton soccer. Johnny Torres. Johnny Torres, player of the year, coaching the team now, everything like that. When you think Creighton volleyball, when I say that program, you're going to stay Jaylee Winters. The record she's put in her rearview mirror throughout her career, the, the kills records, uh, the wins, that second set against Marquette, people, Jaylee Winters had seven kills on her first nine swings in the second set, and Marquette as a team, a national seed Marquette only had four points as a team. She yeah. outscored them seven to four by herself. Volleyball. That doesn't happen in that volleyball. Happen. It's not like you can just give Doug the ball or give Jaylee the ball and it's like a bucket every time. Like there's, way, you know, right. they can pass, they can serve her and make her out of the, you know, get her out of the system and not let her hit it at all. Like there's ways to take them out of the play. She had seven kills on nine swings after Creighton lost the first set. 
Like the switch flips. It's just like Terminator and it was, Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's like here comes the greatest volleyball player in great history. Seek and destroy. That's him. had enough of that first set nonsense and is not going to let this happen for the Big East title. Like she's a killer, but she's great. <laughs> and you need to come appreciate the greatness. All right. So get your butts out to the Soulful Arena this weekend because Creighton's hosting for the second year in a row. They're the best team on campus by far. By far. And they have the greatest player in their history as a senior. Um, you know, so on a mission to get Soul. this program where it's never been before. I'll be there. She's already done that twice. I'll she be there. Yeah, so that's so my, that's my so plea to get everybody out there. All those, no excuse not to. All those students that show up to the Gonzaga Creighton men's basketball game that afternoon, they'll just take those buses, drive yeah, them straight up to Soap, right? Shuttle them there. Plow them full of booze, whatever they're going to be doing. Yeah. They're going to have a big loss to try to yeah. drink themselves through. Uh, at one o'clock. Listen, Crane's campus is not devoid of alcohol, people. Like, if you're worried about, I know. I'm like, just saying, we're, you, you can find get your fires. I'm just saying, get like they'll have some sorrows to drown <laughs> when the Zags do what they're gonna do. <laughs> then they're gonna come through. They're gonna get fired up. They're gonna root on Jaylee and and uh, Coach Boost team, and it's gonna be great. But obviously, you want to take one game at a time. That's the PSA yeah, announcer, sure, right? right? So South Dakota, six o'clock Friday night at Sokol Arena. Earlier that afternoon, I think 3 or 3.30 is when Washington and St. Mary's play. Super convenient for the two teams flying from the West Coast yeah. to play a three-central start, but whatever. That, that's volleyball, though. Yeah. There's so many teams that are in the Midwest that are really good. It's, right. it's kind of like the nature of the beast that West Coast teams kind of have to get sent somewhere. So, Well, Johnny Atawa's fish wrap that he works for, they, uh, they, they, they posted something today. I think I saw a headline where there's 12... Uh, local kids um, from the Omaha area that are playing in the NCAA tournament. Yep. Um, just a great hotbed of, of talent here locally. And they're always, I mean, it's really, you look at basketball, obviously we've been blessed with Kyrie Thomas and Justin Patton going pro recently from Omaha through Creighton. Um, but, I mean, you look at basketball, you look at football, there's just not that influx of high-level Division One talent in those sports right. for that – compared to what there is for volleyball. Yeah. And so, obviously, Jay Lee from Ankeny, Iowa. Um, just so many... Terry from South Dakota. Right. I mean, so many good local kids come through here. Yeah. Brittany went from Omaha. I mean, it's just like, everybody's within that radius. Like, it's not... Which I just think... I think Alexa Romeliotis is from California, and that's the only... I think she might be the only one that's outside of the radius. Sure. When you think about the it. The radius. I like that. Well, yeah. Is, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you have to... You have to, I mean... Especially a program like Creighton, the closer to home that your talent is, yeah. the more likely you are to mine that first than to have to go, you know, right? You know, digging through the travel budget to find and go go to the coast or something like that. So, you know, Johnny Torres is going to deal with that situation himself for soccer. So Johnny's going to figure it out. Yeah, I know. Hey, Johnny, we trust, right? Yeah, for sure. What's that? Uh, before we get to men's basketball. Um, and I know Johnny has uh, just kind of unofficially agreed to come on and join us live here. I think on one of these upcoming podcasts um, here from Script Town Brewing. But um, just what's the climate like now on campus? You know, the last time we podcasted, it was the night that Johnny was essentially named coach yep. and Elmar left. It's been two weeks since then. What's the climate like surrounding the men's soccer program? Johnny's on board. Johnny and Mike Gabb standing up at – you know, the last men's basketball game. I mean, you heard that ovation, right? Like, it was super. That gives you the kind of idea about the excitement around this. Because there were 17,000 Jays basketball fans yeah. in the arena, and all of them were on their feet for, for Johnny and his staff. So what's it like right now on the campus uh, surrounding the soccer program? I mean, that was that was my signal right there. I haven't really you know tried to get a barometer of it. Um, I figured 
as fresh as the wound was that they didn't make the NCAA tournament, it was probably, you know, tra- there's a lot of transition going on with Elmar leaving. And, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of bittersweet because Johnny comes in, but he's also replacing the guy who accomplished a lot at Creighton and, um, you know, is revered around the college soccer community, certainly. So, you know, there was kind of like all so, – but, but to see Johnny come in and, you know, get announced at the CHI Health Center and the crowd react the way it did, it kind of, that kind of gives you the idea of what – you know, the reception to that move and that decision and, and Johnny being the man at the helm right now. Um, I would expect to see, you know, a crazy, a crazy atmosphere at Morrison Stadium for his first match. And, you know, when he gets announced, I expect it to be a little bit of a dramatic pause from the PA and, and announcing his name and drawing that out and getting the best reaction that they can. But I expect it to be pretty wild. I think everybody's on board with that. All right, so do we want to talk about Creighton, Ohio State at all? Is it worth I mean, talking let's about? Let's go to the Cayman Islands. Let's, I mean, I mean, it's cold outside. Let's go. I'm down for the Cayman Islands, Islands so, man. The Jays give Ohio State a huge um, buffer to start the game. So many turnovers. Just terrible. Uh, the ball, the ball uh, uh, security. Ohio State goes up. I think they led by as many as 12 points. Blue Jays come battling back. I mean, we talked about just the surge that the Jays went on in the second half um, because the second half didn't start all that well for them either in terms of getting stops, even when they were scoring. But um, they go on a surge. They end up taking a four-point lead late. and then I'm glad, I'm glad you remember the game because I don't. Man, this stuff gets, my memory's gone. This stuff gets seared into my brain. I barely remember Boise State. <laughs> So it's good. To, good thing we have you. Um, so you know they they end up coughing up. I think when it was like a twelve or thirteen to nothing run. Ohio State ended that game on. Everybody's leaving the CHI Center, uh, bummed out. That was Creighton's first major test of the season. They fail. They've got a trip to the Cayman Islands for a tournament whose full suite of teams are not going to be, you know, confused for the Maui Invitational. Yeah, winning, winning, the, winning the first game was really important. Yeah. Right. Um, so they needed the that Boise, the ones that were in the They league need league. that win on that Monday evening against Boise State. They come out. Um, essentially, Davion Mintz gives up two pick sixes to start the game. That was a heck of a start, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> I mean, any Jays fans watching or suffering through Doug Gottlieb on the stadium app had to just be – Ruining themselves because they just they saw the same thing happen against Ohio State a week before or not a week before about four or five days before and you you, got, you think to yourself you know what's happened but um, they write the ship everything levels out Marcus Zagorowski very good Tyshawn was going to be very good Mitch Ballard very good Damian Jefferson comes to play Damian Jefferson was amazing. he was matching their kind of scrappy yeah. swing guy there for uh, they they their first yeah like ten or eleven points yeah getting stuff at the rim even, the, even though Gottlieb said he couldn't shoot he kept hitting shots it was weird right it was weird I mean it was almost like it was like Conor was working against Gottlieb's analysis there but um, <laughs> he tried he tried for three games to say Damian Jefferson couldn't shoot but it didn't quite play out that way I feel like Damian had obviously he played extremely well in the East Tennessee State game ahead of the Ohio State game um, but really Damian. I don't know. I don't know how I want to segue into all of this because there were so many storylines. Yeah, sure. You know, hashtag storylines from the Cayman Islands trip. First of all, the fans that went down there, God bless you. I'm super jealous that you went, but man, you guys showed up on television. You yeah. showed up on the radio when I, you know, had to listen to one of the, I listened to the Clemson game on the radio, pulling an old T. Scott Marr, uh, you know, T. Scott Marr, Kevin Sarver style 
Um, that's how I used to have to listen or follow any road game that the Jays played when I was yep. growing up. Yep. You know, it was, was the radio and driving over to Central Iowa for the start of Thanksgiving. I mean, the Jays fans, every single time, granted, Tyshawn's hitting shit that just is ridiculous, right? Yeah, but yeah, that whole yeah. Jays contingent was audibly impressive on the radio and on television. You couldn't help but feel bad for the other teams. I mean, the Boise State had like four random dudes that they must have thrown like t-shirts on. Like <laughs> Boise State gave these t-shirts to people that they found at Stingray Beach or some shit and they brought them in. And you got to build your brand, man. I mean, holy people, are, people are Boise State fans for life now, maybe. Holy smokes. Uh, it's like when, yeah. Anyway, so Jays fans, good on you. But, uh, I mean, you watched all three games. Yeah. And you saw how quickly things turned around for the Jays against Boise State. What's it like? I mean, is that what you see when they're playing well in practice? Is the ball movement like it was against Georgia State, against Clemson? Obviously, Tyshawn going for 36 against Clemson in the title game. That's going to win you a lot of ball yeah, games. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. I don't think I've seen Tyshawn out of practice like he had a game against Clemson. So that's one thing that was – I mean, there were a couple of those teams I mean, that I, were like – It was crazy how deep. Yeah, I was, it was crazy how efficient he was, first of all. I mean, 16 shots? 36 points on 16 shots? That's 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 Doug-like stuff, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. When we took his efficiency for granted, we found out the next year, right? How, Ugh, yeah, let's not talk about that how much it's, how, how not easy it is to score, right? Um, yeah, I mean, he was really impressive. There's no doubt about it. I think the thing to watch going forward, because I kind of want to see how it translates, um, because I think there is a certain amount of... like A factor in Creighton's performance in the three days was that it's tough to prepare for them um, just the pace they play at, the depth they have, um, you know, dealing with that on one day prep, especially when you're on two days, when we have two games on your legs already, mm-hmm. it's not easy to do. So that's one thing I'm curious to see how it translates because obviously they were clicking offensively and it looked like how they're supposed to look. But, you know, even in the Clemson game, they had 16 turnovers, so that probably can get cleaned up. Um, the, the, I think the Georgia State game was probably the most impressive in terms of how close Creighton is to looking like Creighton. Um, you know, the assist turnover ratio, the shot percentage, uh, the pace, um, the way they defended, the way they kind of got on Georgia State and put them away. They didn't let them – they didn't have a lull. They didn't let them come back in. They just kind of put it on them and, and kept it on them. Um, I think in the Clemson and Boise State game, you kind of saw some of those lulls that you saw in the prior games that sure. where things got a little clunky. So – I want to see how that translates because obviously Montana that's coming in here on Wednesday is a very good basketball team. I know everybody's excited about Gonzaga, but Montana won 26 games last year. They returned four of their five starters from that team, six of their top seven scorers, and the Michigan team that's currently whipping through whoever steps in front of them right now, including Villanova, the team that made the final last year almost stepped in the in game one of the NCAA tournament when Montana had to take them on. I mean, that was a game that could have gone either way. Right. So, that's a good basketball team that's coming in on Wednesday. I know everybody's focused on number one, but trust me, Saturday number one will be here whether they win or lose to Montana. So, um, you know, and today's practice was you hear teams talk about not looking ahead and there wasn't one mention of Gonzaga at practice today. Um, there wasn't one thing scout specific to Gonzaga today. Uh, it was all focused on Montana, stopping what Montana tries to do, uh, attacking what try, Montana tries to do defensively. Um, so the Jays are preparing for Montana and not looking ahead, so that's a good thing. Um, but I am curious to see how much it translates going forward. All the strides they made offensively in the Cayman Islands uh, with the ball movement and the pace and um, guys knowing where they're supposed to be, understanding their roles. 
playing through each other, playing through the system, and just trusting it, really. So that's going to be a big key going forward. Well, Montana, they got one game from uh, their Cal State Fullerton transfer, Jamar Aiko. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, a huge game for him, but he's been battling a wrist injury. Not sure. They said initially that it was just kind of day-to-day and that they were um, going to work him back in. Um, but he's only played one of their, their five games so far this season, so I don't know if he'll be ready to go. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to miss it, but you just never know until they suit up. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so 52 points against Georgia State. Well, let's rewind. The Jays okay. the beat Boise. They get um, they, 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 they work through those initial hiccups. They settle in there. The crowd probably has a lot to do with that. And like you said, it's tough for uh, other teams to get on a short scout. Obviously, Boise State had the advantage of all yeah, the teams yeah. down there because they knew uh, the draw way well in advance. But the Jays settled through, um, get Boise. They win that first game, uh, 94-82. Obviously, they got up double digits in uh, large double. I think as much as like 18 or 20, I think, I feel like, in that second half. Uh, Boise State didn't go away. Obviously, they got a huge night from R.J. Williams going for 27 points. Um, he seemed to just be all everywhere active on both ends. Um, from the jump, too. From Davion handing the ball twice on the jump, essentially, <laughs> for pick sixes. But, you know, Davion, um, I thought, settled down. Oh, yeah, he had a great second half, for sure. He had a great second half in that game. He uh, he did well um, in 24 minutes against Georgia State, mm-hmm. um, and then you know against Clemson, 18 minutes. Obviously, Zagorowski started to take more and more of those minutes as the weekend went. I guess the week it felt probably like a weekend if you were down there. Um, I mean, it was Zagorowski coming out. Let's be honest. Yeah, he was he was great. I, I think the, although it's not Zagorowski doesn't take all the minutes right because minutes can move off ball too. For sure. So that, that's they play together a lot too. So I think that's. People are trying to figure out who deserves more minutes at the point guard, and I don't think it's I don't think it's answered that easily. I think I like you know, going to start. Uh, Marcus is going to come in off the bench, um, and and they're also going to play together at some points. You know, we're we're either we're, you know Davion can initiate the offense, and Marcus can play off the ball because he can shoot and score, or vice versa. So I think you know I think Greg McDermott has a lot of options this year, like to to mix and match rotations, uh, to be creative with who initiates what. Um, you know, who the offense is flowing through with Tyshawn. You know, it was Tyshawn against Clemson, but it was Mitch against Georgia, Georgia State. State. Yeah. So, like, and it was Marcus against Boise State and Damian against Boise State. So, like, you're yeah. seeing different guys being able to do different things against different matchups, and I think that's just kind of what it's going to be like all season. Like, you can you can certainly depend on guys because you know what they're capable of, so that's where you can depend on, like, you know Mitch can shoot and pass. You know he can make plays and, you know, rebound for his position. You know what Tyshawn can do. You know what Marcus can do. You know what Damian can do. Uh, you know what Jacob can do and Martin. Like, you know what these guys are capable of, but the matchup is going to dictate who kind of gets to impose their will on certain nights. So I think that's going to – it's going to be a work in progress throughout the year. And I think, you know, I wouldn't – I guess if I were a gambling man, I wouldn't expect to be too confident about saying – like having a pick to click every night on a nightly basis. Like, you knew what you could depend on out of, out of Doug, I guess – um, on that team a few years ago, I wouldn't say like Tyshawn having thirty six. I wouldn't say okay. Well, I think Tyshawn can have thirty every night. Like it's not going to be like that. So right. And, but I I think what's what's interesting though, not to the you know if Doug is one end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and then the next year after he left is maybe the other in terms of not having a guy that you know it's like a 
that's a very real, acute yeah. uh, feeling when you go from somebody that's averaging whatever Doug averaged his senior year, 20-some a game, mm-hmm. um, down to not that guy or anybody else stepping up. But, you know, we've been blessed to have Marcus Fosters of the world and yeah. Kyrie Thomases and Maurice Watsons and, and uh, Justin Pattons that can come in and get buckets mm-hmm. uh, in bunches. Um, I guess this team, though, with the depth and the different options that it gives Coach Mack and his staff, when you say it's a it's it's um, you know it's going to be a game by game approach and it's going to be something that's going to be constantly worked on all season, is that because the coaches are still trying to figure out where to go here? I mean, you've talked about how they've changed the way they scout and they changed some of these kind of fundamental things that Max teams have done to this point. How much of all of this comes together, cult, uh, you know, um, c- kind of collides into a situation where the coaches right now are just feeling things out too? Yeah, offensively, I don't think they're trying to feel things out. I think they know the system, and they're trying to get the pieces to okay. play within the system. So that's kind of what, you know, Tyshawn's going to have to deal with that coming up here because guess what? When you drop 36 on Clemson and then have a week in between your next game, guess what the team that you're playing is doing right now? Watching a bunch of Tyshawn Alexander film and trying to figure out where his strengths are and how to take them away. So there's a transition coming up for a sophomore guard right now. He's going to deal with – Having the best defender, mark him. Having double teams, having guys deny the ball, make his catches tough, sure. make his looks tough. So that's going to be a transition for him. And then, but just the depth of having guys that are able to step up, like that's when everybody has to kind of just trust the system itself, trust the ball movement, set screens, move, cut, run, um, all that type of stuff will lead to somebody. You know, getting theirs, if you will. It's not going to be an individual thing where you know who the star is. Uh, you know, right now the star is Tyshawn Alexander, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, like next week it's Jacob or the week after that it's Mitch or Marcus or Davion. Like there's a lot of guys who have are capable. So I think it's going to be a, a season where you have a lot of different leading scorers, a lot of different leading assist men. Like isn't Mitch leading the team in assists right now? I haven't checked since the Clemson game, and I'm pretty sure he's the team leader, isn't he? Uh, so, yeah. you have a, so you have a, essentially a guy who plays a 3-4 in the offense, leading the team in assists. Um, you know, Marcus Zagorowski probably leads the team in assists to turnover ratio. Um, you know, Tyshawn leads the team in scoring. Who's the leading rebounder? It's probably, Marcus Zagorowski's probably the leading rebounder, right? Are we playing, like, guess the stats? That's what uh, I mean. Like, this, right. I mean, does Zagorowski lead the team in rebounds? I think he is, uh, isn't he? Three and a half games. Who's leading 4.2? Martin no, Damien's got five okay, and a half Okay, leading the team yeah. in rebounding. So, and then Mitch is leading the team in assists. Yep. You know, Tyshawn's leading the team in scoring. Damian's right behind him. But look at the balance there. Oh, yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. And look at the minutes, too. I don't think anybody over 30 yet won. Tyshawn Tyshawn and Mitch is 30.7. So everybody else is kind of balanced out. I think you're going to – and you saw Christian Bishop this weekend, too. Yeah. Against Georgia State. So he's still had a chance to kind of get in the mix there, too. So, you know, Creighton's a really deep team this year. And I think that's going to help them play at their pace for a longer period of time and not be so worn down. You know, in those final months of the season, or the final month of the season, you know, if they can stay healthy and um, and the step continues to develop and these young players continue to develop, um, you're going to see the 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 improvement of it by uh, byproducts of everybody just working together and figuring out their roles as the season goes on. Um, you know, I, I mean, look, I just from in these three games in the Cayman Islands, what was the disparity of you know freshman and sophomore production like? 
I think the scoring was about 73%. Rebounds were above 70. And yeah. Assists were That's a lot of youth doing that's a lot of things. Right. So you're only five games, six games into that. So, I mean, everybody, so everybody, everybody, everybody's trying to learn who the guy so is. So get my hopes up is what you're yeah. saying. I mean, there's talent there. That's, that should get your hopes up enough. No, I mean, so you, I mean, if you see a guy that's capable of dropping 36 against a defensive team like Clemson, you should have pretty high hopes for the future. He almost outscored Nebraska by himself tonight. That's that's not hard to do though. <laughs> I don't. That's not as challenging. It's like step one for a Creighton player. Good win for the Oscars uh, tonight. They beat Clemson on the road, so now it's UNO's turn. Hopefully, they can go down, maybe claim, claim this, the 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 state sweep of the Tigers. Um, yeah. So we talked about it. We alluded to it real quick. Jays have Montana on Wednesday night. Not trying to overlook that at all, but I am going to. Play into the storyline, right? Overlook it, right? Overlook it, right? Are you even gonna go to the game, or you should be like, "Where's Gonzalez?" I'm going, man. Dude, Montana, Montana's legit, and they are legit. It was just one year that they made the NCAA tournament. They're a very good program, yes, and that's going to be a challenge. Especially what I likened it to, explaining it to my seven-year-old was when we got back from Vegas in 2013. Just super pumped. Jays played extremely well. down in Vegas, took the Continental Tire Championship, whatever it was, the one that didn't give us the championship belt. I think that was a couple of years later. But, uh, you know, when you come back and you play Boise State at the CenturyLink Center, and Jays are down from almost the jump and lose that game. Huge wind out of your sail type yeah. situation. I totally could see that same thing happening here, especially with Gonzaga coming to town on Saturday. Yeah. The number one overall team in the country. So you're saying, are you saying that Creighton's going to beat Gonzaga by 35 of that St. Joe's team after the Boise State game? Remember no, that? but I'm saying to watch out on a Wednesday night for the yeah. Montana Grizz. Yeah. Plus, they're like, they're, they're, we'd have to ask Tom Nemitz, uh, White and Blue Review co owner and, and major contributor. But I gotta imagine he likes their color, their colorway, their uniforms. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, that's my, that's my. I went to Papio, so it's like it's, Ooh, it's almost there. there we go. He it's almost like got this, it. I don't know if it's maroon and white, but it looks like it. No, I mean, so, uh, yeah. but no, the Grizz are not to be slept on. Uh, but yeah, Gonzaga coming to town. Gonzaga beats that vaunted uh, freshman class at Duke in the championship of the Maui Invitational, a game in which they led by short-handed Gonzaga team too, like. They're, I, even, like, they're, they're, I mean, they're missing maybe their best player. Yeah. Like, second best player at worst, right? Um, and then Gino Crandall, who Creighton played last year uh, for North Dakota, transferred to Gonzaga. and He hurt like, himself in yeah, practice. Yeah, he's out right? four to six weeks, so he's going to miss the Creighton game. Like, I mean, they're not even 100%, but they look really good, don't they? Uh, I mean, any team that's going to go up and beat a Duke squad like that that's got from wire to wire too it wasn't like no I mean, dude like took them lightly and no let them come back like gonzaga was up big the whole game pretty yeah much. if anything they wilted away yeah. there toward the end um which i can't even imagine trying to fend off a press or any sort of pressure defense from that set of dude players right now i mean just the, the pure athleticism um that'd be that'd be amazing so um but yeah, they so they they got the. I mean, that's the first time Duke's lost a game in the Maui Invitational ever. Really? So, uh, so they had never lost a game in the Maui. Uh, Gonzaga goes. They jump over KU at this point. Bill Self's got to be wondering who else he has to pay money to, to to ensure he keeps that one number one ranking or get up to number one. Um, but yeah, they uh, they uh, they jump over KU. They're the number one team in the country. They'll come to Omaha this weekend. And, um, yeah, it should be – I mean, the game's been sold out for, for ages, but 
it should be uh, it should be a great atmosphere. Um, Friday night volleyball at Sokol Arena. Saturday morning, one o'clock tip. Well, Wednesday, for the morning, Wednesday morning, if you got kids, I think it's kids' day for women's basketball. Yeah, so we had a question. Drake at noon. Why? I think, kid, I think it's kids' day, so bring your earmuffs if you're a parent because that's oh, loud and, and it's really crazy. Um, but Drake's Drake's undefeated, ranked 24th in the country now. I think they just beat who did they just beat? South uh, Carolina, right? Yeah, but they, they just beat South Carolina. So, but they lost to. Uh, they were they were like close with Notre Dame, the number one team in the country. Oh, okay, so just the reigning national champs. Yeah, no, no big deal. Yeah, right. No, Drake's legit, so that's going to be a tough one for Flynn and them. So that starts at noon. So kids' day, uh, and then and then Montana Creighton men's basketball is that night, um, and then Friday is volleyball round one. Saturday is Creighton Gonzaga, and then Saturday night is volleyball round two. So it's going to be a crazy weekend. Our ears must be burning because Tom Nemitz just published the Polyfro. Primer ahead perfectly, of the primer. So when we get this uh, podcast out to everybody on Tuesday morning, um, it'll be complete in the e- email newsletter with the uh, link to the primer as well. We have a question from the crowd. Uh, I'm not sure, but this is a question, uh, John, that I that I also had um, uh, myself driving back. You know, you start to see all of these uh, exempt tournaments named, um, the fields for t- the next year named while the current tournament is going on. I didn't see if the Cayman Classic, uh, announced theirs while, while the Jays were down there, but I know some are starting to, to leak out. Any word on who the Jays will be playing or what tournament they'll be playing in this time next year or Christmas? Yeah, no, year? I don't have, I kind of looked at John, I was like, I don't know, so, but you wouldn't ask that anyway, so, no, I don't know. Well, Matt, we have, if people I know. are going to ask from the crowd, we need to honor those questions so that more people signal. ask from like, the crowd. Hey, I don't know that one, so, like, but we need to know. Yeah, I know, but I didn't say not now. So, like, these are the ones we know they're not in, they're not in the battle for Atlantis. Okay. They had that, um, I think, uh, shoot, Seton Hall's in that. Um, they're not in Maui. Okay. Um, and those are the only two I really care about. So they're not those two, uh, which is terrible. No, but, I'm sorry. I don't know who they're playing. You know, uh, John keeps showing me his phone. He's going to – he texted me. Does he know the answer? Is he asking rhetorical questions over there? Seeing if we know more than him maybe? No? He's being silent. He's playing coy. Yeah. Uh, no, I apologize. I don't. Sorry. No insider information for you guys. Okay, so um, so men's basketball Wednesday night, and then against the Zags on Saturday, we've got volleyball at Sokol Arena in the first and hopefully second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, anything else, Matt, you want to touch on before we let the good folks go tonight? I know it's a – like you, you were talking about, it's, it's going to be a fun week. I mean, there's a lot of positive energy right now on the Hilltop. What's it like being down on campus, going to these practices? What's the bounce in everyone's step like? ahead of an NCAA, hosting an NCAA tournament. I mean, people do not understand, and I talk about it all the time. The volleyball program when I was in college was playing their games, their matches at South High School, and no one was going. Yeah. And then they bounced around to some other places. This is so far. I mean, it's like how the soccer program came out of nowhere, essentially a club sport on campus, playing games in like Memorial Park in the random fields, to now, you know, being essentially you get rid of coaches if you miss two NCAA tournaments in a row, national championship winning <laughs> coaches at that. Um, I cannot stress enough why people need to get out and watch this volleyball yeah. team play this program. I mean, it's a fun sport to begin with. Like, you're going to see some good matches regardless. I, I, feel, I feel like Creighton really embraces the event town feel. Oh, sure. 
Like everything. Just put a swimming pool by and people will show up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like think about Creighton Duke, think about the College World Series, think about all the events that have been here. Like anytime there's an NCAA tournament, uh, do or die scenario, uh, you know, a survive in advance kind of atmosphere, it's a good time. So like whether you're a volleyball fan who just, you know, isn't a Creighton fan, or whether you're a Creighton fan who isn't a volleyball fan, like this weekend's gonna have everything for you. And DJ Soul Arena is where you need to be. Like that's priority number one. Uh, everything else will take care of itself. Like the corporate sponsors will take care of the season, the CHI Center. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Place will fill up. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean Saturday is the day you gotta. I mean you gotta plan for it because you know one o'clock you get the number one team in the country here to play Creighton. I'll be there, man. And then at seven o'clock you get probably uh, Creighton versus. Someone to go to a Sweet 16 for the third time in four years, yeah, which hadn't happened ever before that in the last four years. Yeah. So, think about just like the run they're on right now and the culmination of it all. This senior class started it, man. Jaylee Winters had 21 kills, 20 digs, um, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You know, the night to soccer to a Sweet 16 for the first time ever. Yeah. The same day, the same day, men's basketball lost to Loyola and then returned back to the NBC. The same day, Fabian and Timo's careers yeah. ended the Elite Eight. All that stuff that was like, oh my god, this is the worst day in Creighton athletics history. Guess who saved your bacon that day? It was the, the flicker. The yeah, volleyball team. It was the flicker. Yeah. That's kept At North Carolina, the fan base that, for some reason, there's a lot of animosity wink, between North Carolina. Wink, wink. Yeah. Um, yeah, they went down there and handled business in Chapel Hill and gave the North Carolina fans another reason to hate the Blue Jays. Love it. Um, and Jaylee Winters, you know, famously said after the match, you know, she gave, she dropped the famous quote of, I always win, it's what I do, and gave a little Jordan side eye and smile and... That's what yeah, happened. She became Jaylee that night. Like, it was, you know, the rest is history. So, come watch that because she's got a handful of matches left in her career. Same with Taryn Kloth. Um, You know, and those two were the two, you know, they were the two kind of pillars. They were the first highly ranked recruiting class that came in. They were the yeah. first two top 50 kids that Creighton recruited. Yep. Um, and they've lived up a lot. You don't always see that. I'm telling you, you don't always see recruits like that, first of all, come in, not only live to the hype, but stay four years. Um, you know, I mean, especially in volleyball, kids transfer all the time. Yeah. You know, when they're not happy with their situation. Um, so you, you got to come appreciate this because it doesn't, it's, it's rare. I'm telling you, it's rare. All right, but when I tell you it's special, it's special. So you got to come see it because, um, you know, they've, they've elevated this program to heights. I don't think even the most optimistic no. uh, Creighton volleyball supporter uh, or Rats no. or Booth or anybody the thought they could like do this. Like, legit, though. There weren't a lot of supporters. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it is a monster that is that has grown that Coach Booth has built, and it deserves everyone's attention. So I'll be there. Uh, I know you'll be there. WBR, always courtside for those matches. And you've got a busy day ahead of you, my friend, on Saturday, because yeah. if everything plays out the way it should, you'll be going down to the CHI Center for Jays and Zags, and then heading over to so Maybe we get two Blue Jay beats for you guys, too. Maybe we'll get like yeah. a one after Gonzaga, and then a one after the regional. Like maybe we'll, maybe we'll pay this. I don't want to talk that much, maybe. Maybe we'll pay the CHI DJ to play a Blue Jay beat <laughs> instead of the YMCA or something. All right. I, I give props to the DJ at the CHI. So I love it's been, it's, I love been, it. it's been clutch, uh, a clutch game. All right. Well, we're going to do it here from Script Town tonight. Uh, again, Script Town, thank you for having us. It's been great uh, so far this season to have these podcasts live uh, recorded here in the heart of the Blackstone District. Uh, so thanks to all the Jays fans for showing up. Matt, as always, thank you for all your hard work and, and being the uh, the eyes and ears on campus um, reporting on the Blue Jays um, on all the sports. And most importantly, thank you to everybody listening at home to the Blue Jays Beats podcast. 
Blue Jays Bites podcast and the Blue Jay Beats. Blue Jay Beats. Blue Jay Bites. We got all those things. We're pretty much a global communications network. So, you know, media conglomerate as such. So, yeah, everybody get out and watch the Jays on Wednesday night. Volleyball Friday and hopefully Saturday, and then Jays men's basketball on Saturday afternoon as well. For Matt DeMoranis and the good folks here at Script Town Brewing, I am Brian Dot signing off, saying have a great night, and go Jays.